You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Locked On Indians podcast brought to you by Built Bar. It's likely what I had for breakfast. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15. I am Jeff Ellis, as always. This is the Locked On Indians podcast. I was formerly at Indians Baseball Insider, then at Scout, then at 24-7, and now kind of just doing my own thing here on the Locked On Network. We're going to finish up our conversation with Pat Ellington on the final segment of the show. We're going to talk about the final roster here, though, at the start. We're going to talk about some of the moves that were made, talk about how things uh, are shaping up for the roster, the Indians, and my initial thoughts on how they're going to handle the starting pitching staff. So do we start with the trade? Do we start with what people got What people got mad about? A lot of people got mad about Bobby Bradley versus Jake Bowers. Again, here's my view. Neither player is likely a everyday player. If you don't keep Bowers, he's gone. Like You're not getting him back. He is gone. Taking one more look. Yes, he was really bad in 2018. A lot of guys have been really bad and got better. You might forget Jose Ramirez was really bad for a bit there and had to get better. It happens. Not everyone is like Lindor and it's just good from the drop. Some players struggle. I don't know why they didn't get that look last year. That would have seemed like an ideal time. They didn't. They're taking one more look. I have no problems with that. If he is poop for two months, you let him go and you say, well, that was a missed evaluation. Because I'll tell you right now, I missed on that evaluation. I thought... It was a great addition. I thought he was going to come right in and be this star. And what you're kind of seeing, and it's interesting, is that one, sometimes we get a little too caught up in age relative to level. And two, sometimes when someone's best trait is their walk rate, that should be a concern. We keep expecting, oh, well, they were playing well at every level. They were an above average bat with one plus tool. Uh, The power will come as they mature. Well, sometimes you can't bet on that. And that could be the case with Bowers. The thing with Bobby Bradley is he is also a one-tool guy, and it's power. And there's, I had someone um, ask me, well, could he be Chris Carter? And I went and I looked at Chris Carter's numbers, and the answer is no, because Chris Carter walked like over 12% of the time and still ended up losing a, 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 a uh, losing the opportunity to play baseball every day. You know, He lost his starting position, had to bounce around. And even though he could hit 40 home runs, it wasn't enough for him to stay a regular Bobby Bradley doesn't have that walk rate. He doesn't have those skills. He's got to go down, and when he is in the minors, he has to show that he can be more than just home run and a lot of singles, and he's got to show some ability to you know, to work counts, to take walks. And if he's not going to show that, then he's got to show that he's going to cut down on a strikeout rate. It's got to be one of those two things. But honestly, neither of those guys is likely an everyday player in the future moving on the one that got my uh my ire was ben gamble because at the end of the day you're sending down bradley zimmer who yes he's already like is he he's got to be like approaching 28 right if not already there he's already older but he he's a better defender in center field they're both left-handed so if you want to go with that platoon i can you know i I understand that you want a left-handed bat there but he's got more power yes the ceiling is so much higher on Bradley Zimmer. The floor is also so much lower. Ben Gamble is really safe. And 
Ben Gamble makes sense as your fourth outfielder if the plan is that Rosario is going to play there almost every day. I wish they had started that experiment sooner. I mean, I was calling for it a month before they did it. Uh, I really wish, really, really wish they had done that sooner. And it's like looking at the roster the way it is. Let's say they decided not to if uh, uh, Jimenez hadn't forced his way into the roster. Like Rosario, you could have still... Rosario in center field still might have made more sense with Chang playing some shortstop to start. Like that might have made more sense. I just wish they had gone out there because the data shows over the years that Rosario just, he is not a strong defender at short. They needed to move on from that idea and I wish they'd gotten him more reps. I bring this up again because I feel like Gamble is a Gamble as a fourth outfielder only works if he is a fourth outfielder. If he is almost there as uh, Jordan Luplo insurance. It gives the team another, you know, bat for that part of that platoon. And then he's not playing every day. And I mean, honestly, he shouldn't be playing every day. He is strictly, you know, someone who's out there against the fat part of the platoon. But at the same time, you want Rosario to get a lot of at-bats. You don't put him on this team just to hit lefties. That's a small part of the platoon. So I imagine, you know, he's going to play every day against lefties for sure. But maybe he takes something like 50% of the at-bats against right-handers. He's got to do some kind of... Uh, split in there to make that effective. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how they're breaking it down, but maybe their thought, honestly, this is the only way I can defend this choice. And this is what I came around to as I was, as I was getting annoyed by what they did is that Gamble is up there because he can handle three spots and be a defender. You want Zimmer and Johnson to get at bats every single day. So they're going to be out there playing. Gamble is only going to get at bats like 40% of the time when there's a right-hander on the mound and 0% against lefties. That is how I rationalized it. I don't know how other people think. We'll talk about the pitching in a bit, but that is how the, the first part of this shapes up. Now, to add Gamel, I believe the corresponding roster move was Bo Taylor was designated for assignment. I can't see anyone claiming him. I was kind of shocked he stayed on the roster as long as he has. Uh, he could easily he'll be back. <laughs> I have full faith that he is going to be in the organization uh, at this point in time, but it, that was an easy decision when you had to go out there and make a move. So we'll take a quick break and then we'll talk about pitching and exactly what's going on there. So betonline.ag, one of our consistent sponsors, and to me that makes them great uh, no matter uh, anything else. A consistent sponsor is great for the show. It's a fun place to go. It's a fun site to to just kind of explore even if you are like me and gambling isn't necessarily your thing. Uh, they have so many things. We talked about it's not just sports with Bet Online that they do award shows, reality TV. They also do like poker and live casino and race books and esports. You can find so much over at Bet Online. And remember that when you go to Bet Online, when you make that first deposit over there, you want to use that promo code LOCKED ON as that promo code gets you. A 50% bonus on your first deposit. That's kind of insane. A 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. I'll repeat it again. Anything you want to bet on, you will find it over in Bet bet Online. They have so many different things. Risk-free, bet big, bet early. They have Bitcoin. They have a Bitcoin 101. You can go find out about Bitcoin over at Bet Online. But when you do go over there and you do make your first deposit, remember to use that promo code locked on not just because it helps us but because you're getting a 50 percent bonus betonline.ag promo code locked on locked on today it's got you covered all the breaking news and information you could need those ridiculous set of trades on friday for football 
Locked on today with Peter Bukowski to have you covered. Go check that out for yourself. Get it wherever you get podcasts. So I'm going to apologize as I'm kind of messing with my sound a little during this because I'm trying to not be right up on the mic so you don't have to deal with me breathing into the mic, but I am also don't want so it's screaming into your face. So as always, I appreciate the fan base out there letting me know how it sounds, how things are going. That helps this podcast continue to get better. So let's talk about how they built the pitching staff. There was a surprise. Adam Plutko got traded to Baltimore, to the Baltimore Orioles. Now, Baltimore would have had the first chance to claim him if he is designated for assignment. The Indians are getting cash. We don't know how much. There were people who tried to make this a money move, and it's like, come on. Like, Plutko, they're not getting much cash. Let's be honest. Because, again, the, the Orioles are just paying for the right to not lose him because they would have gotten him no matter what when the Indians let him go because of, well, I guess the Tigers could have claimed him. You know, there's a few teams that would have been above them in claiming order, but not many. So this gave them kind of first shot. And why do they want him? He's got an elite spin rate on his curveball. Now, the curveball, in spite of that, has not been a knockout punch. He doesn't really have a knockout punch. He gets by with guile and control. Uh, It's kind of interesting because he was the guy who was the heir apparent when Bauer and Garrett Cole were drafted. He was the Sunday starter for that UCLA team. Never really added the velocity. If you go back to that 2013 draft, I feel like somewhere along the line, I might have said 2011 by accident. It's a 2013 draft. Not a great one by the Indians. Uh, That's the year they didn't have a second or third rounder due to Swisher and Bourne. They took Clint Frazier in the first round. Then Dice Kime, which at the time, like I, I was still relatively new into covering the draft, but I was like, What? And then uh, Kyle Crockett of Virginia. Or at least I was like, well, at least he'll move quickly to the majors. But Dice Kime was an uh, Ohio kid. They have not drafted many of those. I believe Defiance uh, just ooh, could never get it together. It felt like a bit of an overdraft at the time. And uh, But the Indians were fully at that point in time where they were just mining certain programs. And Vandy was one of them. Virginia was another uh, going back though, why am I talking about that draft? I, I remember getting into it with someone who I worked with at the time where they were like, oh, well, why'd the Indians throw away their 11th round pick? They can't sign Plutko. He's probably going to go back and try to make, uh, make some money in his senior year after kind of a disappointing junior year. And I was like, no, they, they definitely have money. This is a team that went out and that's even with their 10th round pick deciding to back out Ross Kivett, another local kid. Uh, they had a deal in place with him at Kansas state and it was going to be under slot to save them more money to spend. And then he decided he wanted to go back to school, which that's totally his right. I'm not saying that to knock on him, but they, they lost out on that entire round of money and whatever they thought they were going to have, which might have affected someone like their 12th round pick, Heath Quinn, who they were un- unable to sign. And he went on to have a pretty huge college career at uh, Stanford, right? He was He was the other big power hitter with Kyle Lewis in that conference that year. But because uh, normally they signed those guys and they did not. So Quinn might have been the player they lost out in that case. But just to get back into this, uh, they they had the money. They signed Pletko. He moved quickly through the system. I made some arguments at times he should have been a higher rated prospect because he was a day three pick. It kind of hurt where he was projected and or valued by some. At the end of the day, though, he, you know, he was an 11th round pick who went through the system and turned into a solid everyday player. But closer to replacement than like league average. You go back to 2019, that was a good year for him. That was still a 0.7 war with 20 starts. But he looked like he could have some value as a potential five. I didn't have a problem with them penciling him in that role. But again, he's 
severely limited. Uh, hard hit percentages were pretty good for him. That was the other thing. He didn't get hit hard. He didn't walk guys. He just didn't miss enough bats. And if you're the Cleveland Indians, you know, Logan Allen is a guy you want to see what you got. Quantrell, you went out and you acquired as well. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, they had to find spots. And if you go back to last week's podcast, they also have to start thinking about their 40-man roster construction. Uh, Keeping Pleco around for a full year wasn't going to be really the most effective thing for them when they need to get reps. So it's interesting that they're willing to give the young pitchers reps, but they never seem to be willing to give the young hitters reps. I don't know if that is a Frank... I assume it's a Francona thing. He gets to make the final calls on such things. But Plutko found himself kind of as the last guy out. And, I mean, the, the big thing with him, his best trait, honestly, was leadership. Like, that came up time and time again. You think back to what happened last year with Clevenger and Plesak. Plutko's the one who got out in front and started talking about, like, how this is unacceptable. He was a leader in the clubhouse. Uh I'm not always the biggest guy in intangibles, but I mean, it's really seemed like Lindor was one of the other ones. So was Carrasco and to a degree. So was like Carlos Santana. And you're taking a lot of leadership out of there with these series of trades, moves or free agents. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how, who steps into that void. Like who is the guy? Cause Jose Ramirez is a great hitter, but he's always seemed more of the laid back type. He's not really the, the get up and, 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 you know, lead or shout. So I'm curious who is that guy? Like they don't really seem to have someone who stands out to me as the, the leader on the field in that team right now. So I'll be curious to see who assumes that mantle. But in terms of Plucko himself, I wish him well. Great guy, did everything right, but he just wasn't good enough. He should be good enough for a bad team, but for a team like the Indians that does have playoff aspirations, you're, he would have been so limited. And now he goes on. He should get a chance as a fifth starter in Baltimore. Uh, I'm hoping everyone made a big deal that they don't have you know, that Baltimore cut their second baseman. And again, it's like great to sit there and complain, but like Yolmar, Yolmar isn't great. Like uh, great defensively, former Gold Glover, and I argued for him last offseason because the Indians had nothing there because I didn't think they'd be able to get someone like Cesar Hernandez. But Yolmar uh, can't really hit. He's kind of in that grouping of great defense, no bat. And they've got some interesting second basemen there. I would love to see Baltimore play Jemai Jones. I've been a big Jemai Jones fan for a while. Uh, So I would love to see that occur for them. We'll see what they do. So that trade opened up one 40-man spot. The other one was the Cam Hill being moved to the the, the 60-day DL, which was something we all expected. Now that opens them up for the situation like who is the starter? And Quantrell wasn't great in the preseason. Logan Allen looked great, but again, it's the preseason, spring training, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter. And Tristan McKenzie had his ups and downs last year, but it was 33 innings, and that's the grand total of innings he's pitched over the last two years. We don't know who is going to start, but I feel like those three are going to combine. Like McKenzie and Allen, like it wouldn't shock me if McKenzie pitches like three innings in a game and then Allen pitches the next three. Like if those two almost became a piggyback starter. Because you're not going to want to... I mean, what's the most innings you're going to put in McKenzie? He's definitely not getting up to 150. Like, 120 feels like his high point for innings this year. And he did not go deep into games. He was about a five-inning guy a year ago anyways. So if you're looking at that, you know, if he's going to go up to 120, uh, 30 starts. If he goes five innings, oh, we're too far already. So if he does 20 starts at five innings, that's 100. Uh 
so if you're going back to that idea of getting 30 starts out of him, four innings would be the exactly 120. So if he is like a three, four inning guy, and then Allen is a three, four inning guy, that might be a way you combine. And it's a way you can see what they have. And let's say that both of them are being really effective and Quantrell is not. Well, then you move one into that starter role and maybe pull Quantrell in to, you know, you swap Quantrell and Allen. It gives you an opportunity to see what you have with these players, which is going to be important. It's something that needs to be done. And it's the one place where they are seeing what youth can do. Uh, I know I'm saying that while they also added Shaw and Oliver Perez, but Shaw is someone Tito loves. His velocity was up and like it's been in a long time. And Oliver Perez has been effective. We talked about him last year. Uh, He has just somehow managed to stay in an era where he shouldn't be because he should be specifically a loogie. He was good for the Indians a year ago. I don't have any problems with bringing him back, understanding that he's going to be 40 and that he's just, you know, at some point the arm's got to fall off. But at the same time, you look over in Minnesota, at some point, like everyone expects Nelson Cruz to stop. We don't know when it's going to happen for either, but might as well enjoy the ride while you can. Before we head into the interview, let's just Two quick notes here. One, it looks like Kaye Tom is going to make Oakland in terms of old friend alert. Uh, wish him the best of luck over there. Again, it's a shame he didn't get his opportunities here. And two, the Shane Bieber extension talks never began and are already being tabled for the season. Uh, as an Indians fan, that's terrible news. Uh, at the end of the season, he becomes arbitration eligible. And as I've stated, if he has a year anywhere approaching last year, it's his arbitration Values will make Lindor's look like peanuts. He's going to reset the whole arbitration market. So he has no reason to want to sign an extension that is going to limit what he can make when he is on his way to becoming the highest paid player in baseball. Uh, well, maybe not in all of baseball, but at the same time, like look what Garrett Cole got without a history of success. Like Garrett Cole was really good in those Houston years, but it had been up and down for his career. Shane Bieber is an entirely clean profile. There's not a negative you can really attach to him. The only negative will be, let's see, he will be 26 this year. So this is his age 26 year. The Indians have him for his age 27, age 28 year. He'll hit free agency at age 29. I mean, he's going to, if he continues to pitch how he's pitched, he'll reset the market. On top of that, next season is going to be no one signing anything before the CBA. So this whole window of opportunity, this chance to re-sign Bieber is gone. If you're curious, the highest ever first-year amounts in arbitration were uh, 10.85 to Chris Bryant and 11.5 to Cody Bellinger. Uh, You have to think that Bieber with another Cy Young would be right in that range. And that means that one could argue he'd become too expensive by the Indians at the end of next season. That his arbitration number could be approaching something like $30 by the time that we're talking. Because right now you have him for 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024. Four more years of control. But those arbitration numbers are going to explode for him. And that is what sets us up to be a potentially uh, very rough situation in spite of having four years of team control. We'll now take a quick sponsor break before we come back and finish up with my discussion from Pat Ellington from last week. Built Bar. Remember, when you're going to Built Bar, use that promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off. And you want to go there because they're just great. I love everything Built Bar. I have them almost daily for breakfast. If I don't have them, it's because I ran out. Matchup today, Caramel Brownie versus Coconut Brownie Chunk. Coconut Brownie Chunk for the win. Right now, that is my favorite in all matchups going forward. That is one of my favorites that I've had just in general. It might be my favorite flavor that they've had. I'm going to be pulling for that one. That is my choice in this matchup. 
Who else is left? Mint brownie, cookies and cream, cookie dough. Cookie dough is a limited one, but you could right now get caramel brownie, mint brownie, and cookies and cream in a mixed box if that is your thing. Remember to use that promo code LOCKEDON15 to ensure that you get that 15% off your order. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON15. You know, one of the, the things, one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on here is I like to, in all ways, you know, it's like the people who you want to help raise up others. And I think it's, you know, great uh, for anyone to, to point out others and to make sure, because I feel like sometimes in the, the writing game, people get very protective or defensive or wanting to hold on to their corner. And I Especially think it makes sense. when it comes to young people, I've seen yes. that a lot. Um, so, baseball is very ageist and traditionally based. And for me, as a, from the outside looking at as a, as a young luck writer, it was a big worry of mine coming in and stepping in, but. So far, it's been great, but I've kind of just been waiting for that to that one moment, I guess, to, for the other shoe to drop, I should say. But luckily, it hasn't happened yet, so I'm I'm very. And also, thank you for paying the floor as well in the way you have, Jeff, um, it's, for bringing it's, me on. No, I said it's it's nice, my, and I appreciate that. But again, your your writing has backed up. Um, it is the the kind of what really you know I some we had some interactions and then uh, I ended up reading an article and it was it was your ability as a writer that you know brought you more to the forefront uh, as someone and like I said I recommend anyone to to check out your work and I mean I from now as long as I am writing uh, when I see anyone who I think is doing a good job it is just that's part of my job I feel like is to make sure that we are getting you know, more young writers like yourself who are obviously skilled uh, sticking with it because baseball writing, sometimes people switch off or go other ways. So I think it's very important that we always uh, support kind of like the next generation or so of writers. Well, it does make me feel a little bit older when I say that. I know I do <laughs> do have over a decade plus on you, but, uh, you know, I two. almost too. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm definitely of the, the older ranks, but it's, it's a great to see because like in general, as a writer, I've been open and honest about the fact that like my last paid gig as a writer went away because 24 seven decided baseball wasn't worth paying people to write about and, you know, keeping, making sure that there are more people coming up, that there's still young, a new generation of baseball writers is, is very important because it is, it's a beautiful game in, in the way that you can think in it. Like maybe that's just my way, but the, oh, absolutely. How, it, how way you can dig into it. There's no sport you can dig into like baseball. Just, just yeah. There's so much information in, in so many ways to comprehend things. And for me, with baseball, it's very chaotic. Um, that's what I like about it. It's it plays it plays itself. Baseball is like a clock to me, in the way I look at it. Um, there's there's no time limit. It the game plays itself and we, and we see it's, it's like a pen. It, the game is, it, it's, it's like, it's its own entity and that's pulling the strings. And when, when we see the players and stuff and the, the inherent failure rate of the game being so high and the game hinging on that much one failure and it's still being entertaining and appealing is, it's kind of mind boggling almost. And with all that information, with all the time we spend, that there can still be surprises and still be players that come out of nowhere to be good or a can't miss than miss. 
that or yeah. a new art type of player developing yeah. himself. Like Emmanuel Classe, for example, his cut he throws a hundred, he throws a high nineties cutter, and it's not like it's a pseudo cutter that's like a fastball. It's an actual cutter's movement profile, but it's five miles per hour faster than the next fastest cutter. It's 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 a, it's a unicorn pitch, and we we're seeing it in real time. Yeah. Uh, and in trying to figure out, like for me, it's always like, I always want to dig to be like, okay, so how did this happen? Or how can we get there again? And it's always the, you know, it, it's, uh, maybe it's just the whole thing of being a kid who like to like, try to follow a treasure map to figure things out or find and it's with each player, it's, it's kind of a new scavenger hunt to figure out, okay, what route gets us here? And I think that's the fun of the game. Um you know, I want to thank you for coming on. We'll probably make this uh, a two-parter. So, and remember, again, uh, to follow Pat at T-A-N-G-I-B-L-E underscore Uno. Uh, it was a great conversation. Thanks for coming on. I'll have to have you on again during the season. Once you have a little bit more info, maybe hopefully after. You know, I know we kind of went on our own road here. I just want to quickly say, I agree with you on Daniel Johnson. I don't know if I ever came back in to say that, but I agree. I, you know, that's skill say, Oh, and then my original point there, uh, Daniel Johnson's a good dude, very athletic. There's no reason to not try him. And it, it hurts my mind that he is not getting those opportunities. hundred percent. Yeah. But, uh, and you know, just to go back to it on a very basic level, with Daniel Johnson, it's like for this baseball team, why not? Why not? They they put do it so many other guys that are nowhere near as good and don't have the ceiling that he does out there. And we've seen him get praise from various people in organization. Like like even Tito himself said, there are times where Dan Johnson looks like the best guy on the field. Well, why not? I mean, what 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 is that or lose? A, a year of service time. I mean, really, he's twenty five. Come on, yeah, I, he's getting Tommy Pham treatment at this point. I don't under it. It's it's the you know. There's a lot of things we can we can sit there and talk about, like why we understand you know why they're playing Naylor. It may not be ideal to have him in the outfield instead of first, but we can we can logically come to an understanding. The yeah, Daniel Johnson, see what they have, yeah, but Bowers and Bradley, yeah, but with with Johnson, like. To me, there is not a logical reason for him to not get reps and to have not gotten reps last year. Like at the worst, he's a platoon bat with electric tools that provides a little bit more volume with the defense speed. He he can run, he can throw. And you go and you you add someone like Harold Ramirez and not to like you know bring him down, but it's and that profile is speed and average, but no arm. If it, it you already have that internal no guy. And no power. And you have Johnson, who's got above average power. Yeah, it's like, and we don't really know that the hit tool isn't going to be at least average against the right part of the platoon. Like, And that's the larger part of the platoon regardless. Yeah. So it's like, if you give that opportunity. I, I mean, yeah. if, if they're going to give Jordan Lupolo all the platoons, why not do a Jordan Lupolo Dan Johnson platoon? That's oh. basically. That has been the lo- all-star player, basically. Oh, yeah. That's been the logical platoon for two years running I, I it was a logical thing to do last year and instead they and the you know it, it, just to you know go, go down the, the little bit of road here uh 
you want to make that productive because that Jordan Luplo deal is going to look really bad in a few years. That is going to be maybe the Indians' worst trade of the last decade. I mean, when, but I get it with Tanash Thomas. He was a converted arm. but He was. Really, but but he's when, really, he's, he's, his development has been amazing. And, I, and for me to see a, a, a Bahamian guy like that get get a chance, I, I love I love seeing Black players, players look like me, regardless yeah. of the Afri- African diaspora they're from, yeah. especially pitchers, because pitchers are Black pitchers are rare. And j- just to see what Tanaj Thomas is doing in Pittsburgh has been amazing. Yeah, if, if you're that, an Indians that, fan who doesn't know him, just you're going to hear about it because he's, yeah. he's he's one good. of the top five pitching prospects in terms of ceiling in the entire minors, in yes. my opinion. That in you understood why the Indians could make that deal because, as you said, converted out. He was uh, far away and it was high ceiling, but it was very low. It was high risk and. They did a lot of those deals, like with yeah. Mercado, with John Torres, and um, Connor Capel, I think it was. Yeah, and, and then, um, um, who were the guys that traded to Tampa? One was for um, Ru- the t- it was Ruben Cardenas. Um, yeah, was, and then, but there was um, who was the young shortstop they traded away for the uh, Taiwanese pitcher? And I'm trying to I'm blanking on his name. And they did another one as well. Uh, even going back further. Yeah, but it's even something like when they traded Samad Taylor was a prospect I was really high on, who was like a, a lesser player. Where they traded him within a year after drafting him for I'm trying to remember, uh, he might have been the player to be named later in the Donaldson deal. Now that I think about it, I think so. it was it was it, no, I think that was Julian Mayweather actually, or or, or no, Merriweather was the main piece. Was Samad Taylor maybe for Joe Smith? That might have been for Joe. That Smith. might have been. I'm sure I remember which, but. They do. It's odd because it, I got me saying it's odd way too much, but um, this how is much, how they operate on, on that. You, yeah, they had that the few years there where they were just willing to, to shoot their shot and trade some guys. We haven't seen it as much of late, and that's kind of leading to where they are now. With the but it's, yeah, it's going to be it's it's going to be an interesting season. No matter what, it should be a, a really interesting year. Um, again, I want to thank you for coming on and uh, letting us just kind of free form chat. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to say it for a third time. Go follow Pat a- at T A N G I B L E underscore Uno U N O. In case you don't know how to spell that, uh, I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked In Indians podcast. Uh, remember to download daily; it helps. Rate and review if you haven't. And you know, for the next year, maybe two. Go tribe. <laughs>